Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
Black Star Network is East. I'm real um, revolutionary right now. Back Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Today is Wednesday, January 26, 2022. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer says it's time for him to retire, paving the way for President Joe Biden to nominate the black woman to the Supreme Court as he promised during the campaign. We'll break it down with our legal scholars, brothers and sisters, uh, on what this means and who potentially are the leading folks. A federal, ju a federal judge tells the state of Alabama, a federal panel actually tells the state of Alabama to go back to the congressional uh, drawing board because because they actually were limiting the impact of black voters. We'll talk with the NAACP Legal Defense, Legal Defense and Educational Fund, uh, the attorneys who were responsible for that victory. Plus, there's an effort to include more African doctors, scientists, and researchers in finding global cures for diseases. We'll talk to former Congressman Shaka Fatah, who has teamed up with an African doctor about this inclusive initiative. In our Tech Talk segment, sponsored by Verizon, we'll talk to the creator of the Truso app that will create a space that's both community-focused Focus and empowering. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. The senior most Supreme Court justice says he is stepping down. Stephen Breyer, who's 83 years old, plans to retire at the end of this term or until uh, the Senate has confirmed his replacement. Breyer was appointed to uh, the bench by President Bill Clinton uh, 27 years ago. His retirement allows President Joe Biden to appoint a new justice. To keep in mind, what did Biden say during the campaign? He was going to name a black woman to the position. This came up in today's White House briefing. This is what presidential spokespress press secretary Jen Psaki had to say. Uh, sorry, folks, I thought we had the uh, sound bite there. Uh, so we'll talk about this. Uh, we'll, we'll play that for you in a little bit. We're going to talk about this with uh, our panel. Uh, Ellie Mistel, Justice Correspondent for The Nation. Damon Hewitt, who's the President, Executive Director, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. We also, of course, have Candace Kelly, a legal analyst, uh, and we'll also be joined by uh, Attorney Monique Presley, who's also a crisis manager. Damon, I want to start with you. I know you have to go. Uh, you've got a hard out there. Uh, this is obviously, so before we even get to, obviously, the impact of, of a historical point of a black woman, talk about Breyer's 27 years on the bench and what that meant to the court. Well, look, Breyer has been a, a lion, a dean, 
uh, of that bench, certainly the so-called liberal wing, even though he's been among the more moderate uh, of them, uh, he, his, his voice and his vote has been critical uh, from his, you know, eloquent uh, you know, lectures, diatribes, and, and interrogation from the bench and his questions to counsel, uh, to his reputation for fair-mindedness. Because one thing no one could ever say about uh, Justice Breyer is that he was trying to engineer a specific, specific outcome. He was always fair, and he was usually, in my view, on the right side of justice and racial justice at that. So he will certainly be missed. That said, it is time to make room for new voices that embrace what I believe is a more progressive and expansive notion of what the law is and what it can be for black people. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of people were highly critical of uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg for not stepping down when President Barack Obama was there. She passes away when Donald Trump is president, paving the way uh, for Amy Coney Barrett, allowing for conservatives to expand their majority on the Supreme Court. And there, were, there was lots of pressure on Breyer to step down uh, while Democrats controlled the U.S. Senate. Without, without question. And I think, for him, this is a legacy play. Uh, in my view, I didn't speak to him specifically about this, of course, but this is a legacy play. He knew he had options, he knew he had a choice. And he saw uh, not only the hit to the legacy that happened with Justice Ginsburg when she sadly passed away while on the bench, but he also didn't, you know, want to go out like that himself, you know? And I think he sort of real politic here and also just frankly just did the right thing. Um, it would be quite selfish to stay on the bench thinking that, uh, as some people say, why should I deprive you of myself? Uh, in his view, he wants to see something more and better for the long term. Again, fair and balanced as the jurors, but also understanding that there is a takeover at play on this court. It's already in full swing, and I'm sure that's also exhausting and grating for him as the dean of the liberal wing. Uh, obviously, Damien, when we talk about, when we talk about, um, again, when we look at judicial writings, you talk about this takeover, 6-3 conservative majority. Look, right. Republicans want to control this court over the next 50 years. That's what all of the, the fight for the Supreme Court has been about. Uh, and so Democrats and liberals have not been as focused on the courts. Have you seen a change with the federal judicial nominees uh, in, with Biden where they now understand you can't act like the courts don't matter? I think this administration does understand it, and I think it's not just rhetorical. I think we've seen significant action, the highest rate of a number of confirmations for any president in the modern era, perhaps ever. Uh, I can tell you firsthand a number of former uh, colleagues and people I've supervised even who are brilliant attorneys are now being nominated and appointed and confirmed to the bench. And so these are people from the civil rights community. These are people who have done government service at state and federal level. These are people who have defended people's life and liberty uh, in criminal and juvenile court proceedings. These are people who understand all of America. And this administration is delivering in that respect, I have to say. All right, Damon, who at Laws Committee for Civil Rights Under the Law, we surely appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. All right, then. I want to pull in our legal panel here, Ellie Mistel, uh, Candace as well. Candace, I want to go to you. Again, black women. Critical, uh, critical, critical, critical uh, voters out there. 115 Supreme Court justices in history. 108 have been white men. Four, then, you, of course, you have uh, 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 two African-American men. Uh, you've got four white women, one Latina. So all these people who are yelling, oh, my God, choose the best person. Sorry, I'm not trying to hear anything you got to say. 
<laughs> you know, listen, when we have a black woman that comes to the table, it's going to change the conversation. And this is something that, as you said, Joe Biden promised. And so we're going to look for that to happen. I also think that it served a, a great purpose for Justice Breyer to step down at this time. I think when we look at it politically, he's always talked, especially in the past couple of years, about how his his role as a justice was not a political role. But we all know that being a justice is definitely a political role. This is why we have justices accept certain cases and they don't accept certain cases. Thousands come to the Supreme Court, yet they want to talk about affirmative action now for some reason. That's been settled law of the land for years. Justice Breyer, I think it was a question of timing. He knows that a black woman, it's time for that to happen. And that he, by him sitting on there, it would have hogged the position uh, and wouldn't have made sense. Remember, as you said, there was a campaign to get him off the bench. There was a car that was going around the Supreme Court that said, Justice Breyer, please retire. Justice Breyer, please retire. I think that he didn't want to make it look political, which is why at this time, on his own accord, where it wasn't in the media so much, he decided it's time for me to retire. But I think he's always known. I think he's always known, based upon what happened with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that it was time so that we could get another person like him, or even to be more progressive, to be in that seat. So he did the right thing. It was just in his own time. Ellie, Mister, anybody who's actually saying that, oh my goodness, oh these these aren't political decisions. They're absolutely crazy. First of all, the president picks him. Two, the Senate confirms him. Supreme Court nominations, they are political decisions. Political by Republicans, quite frankly. One of the reasons why Breyer had to, not an option, had to retire before the midterms is because Mitch McConnell has essentially promised that if his party takes back control of the Senate, he will not confirm a Supreme Court nominee by President Joe Biden. We know McConnell's not bluffing because that's exactly what he did to the first black president, Barack Obama, when he refused to confirm Merrick Garland despite him being nominated um, by the president. So McConnell does, isn't, doesn't play. McConnell has made the Supreme Court a political institution more than any other single American has, and it, the Democrats simply need to catch up, just wake up to the game. Breyer's retirement was simply not an option. He could not have risked taking it past the midterm, having Republicans take back the Senate, and then at 83 years old, almost 84, basically not being able to retire for the next two years, potentially the next six years. Um, we played that game before and lost. So, so this was a not. This was this is a no-brainer. He had to leave. And I just want to say one more thing in terms of this question of qualifications. <laughs> all right. A aside from the fact that, as you pointed out, there have only been five women on the Supreme Court in its entire history. I think it's time to find some qualified women to fill these these roles. There, there is no argument that of the people that Biden could pick that one of that that if he's he limits himself to black women he will find somebody who is as qualified as every single white man on that bench to, to taking for instance um Kandanji Brown Jackson who's probably the leader in the clubhouse we're talking about a woman with a Harvard college degree a Harvard law degree who has been the head of the US sentencing commission who is in who was on the DC circuit sitting in Merrick Garland's seat who was a finalist for the appointment that went to Merrick Garland this there there isn't a more qualified person for this job than Brown Jackson that you are going to find. And she is just one of a number of strikingly qualified, immaculately educated um, black women who could take this job. But I do also want us uh, not to fall for the trap, Monique, of qualified. Because here's the piece. When any of these white folks are nominated, 
the words qualified aren't brought up. Only the qualifier qualified is used whenever it involves people who look like us. Uh, and so that's the game being played. I also don't want to hear qualified is because they went to an Ivy League school. I remember when President Bush had nominated uh, a woman who had gone to SMU Law School and all these Republicans... Harriet Myers. Uh, Harriet Myers. All these Republicans who always talk about, uh, oh, uh, elitist, they blasted him, how dare you pick her? But she went to SM Law, SMU Law School. And then, of course, one of the uh, federal judges' names being uh, thrown around, uh, that, pre that uh, Congressman Clyburn has been pushing hard, her hearing is next week. She went to the University of South Carolina. We have got to get people in this city out of this mindset that, oh, if you didn't go to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cornell, Brown, or one of the Ivy League schools, whether undergrad or law school, you somehow can't serve on a Supreme Court. There are only two law schools, until Amy Coney Barrett was nominated, was confirmed, there were only two law schools represented on the Supreme Court, Harvard and Yale. Now, Coney Barrett comes from Notre Dame, which is also pretty pretty good school. Uh, the justice you're talking, the judge you're talking about is J. Michelle Childs. If she is the pick, she would be the first person on the Supreme Court, the only person on the Supreme Court who went to a state school. Look, talking about professional diversity and educational diversity is part of talking about diversity. And one of the things that Biden has done a great job of, actually, with his lower court's appointments, has been picking people who come from a diverse educational background and a diverse, uh, a, a diverse professional background. So I absolutely agree with you that qualifications does not just mean go to specific law schools and have a specific job at a, at a specific corporate law, law firm. And I'm saying that there are tons of women, of women of color, of black women specifically, who fit every bill that you want to, that you want to ascribe mm. to them. And I'll, I'll add this. It's unlikely, I don't know this for certain, but it's unlikely anybody Biden nominates is going to be credibly accused of trying to rape somebody in high school. I'm just saying. Unlikely that anybody that Biden nominates will, have, will be credibly accused of perjuring themselves before Congress at a prior confirmation hearing. So when we talk about qualifications, I think we also should talk about moral qualifications, which, as far as I can see, everybody who's going to be on Biden's shortlist has in space. Monique? Yeah, I, um, I certainly agree that... Ivy League qualifications for, for lawyers is not the only thing uh, that matters, and perhaps it should not matter as much. Of course, I know Ellie was just talking about the current Supreme Court and what's represented, but obviously the first um, black man to be on the Supreme Court went to Howard University School of Law. So um, we did definitely start representing the court with the best there is in terms of law school education. Uh, but I don't want it to be held again. I, I take I take it you very... I take it you finished from Howard Law School. You, you, you take it right. <laughs> okay, got um, it. I don't I don't want to I don't want to hold it against though these black women for having. Uh, Ivy League education either. We, no matter how you slice qualified, these women, we don't know that this is really the list or not, but the women who they say are on the list, no matter how you dissect it, they are experienced. They are brilliant. They are qualified. Um, they, they are well-educated. They are all of those things. So if it happens to be the case that the first black woman to be on the Supreme Court is also Ivy League educated, that's grand. It's not just in D.C. circles that that matters. It's still important around the world. Uh, and 
I want people around the world to know that we have those qualifications as well. And I'm proud of my sisters who matriculated uh, through those halls and, and, and through other places as well. So my bottom line on this, which is what I tweeted earlier today, is that out of all of those women who are on there, uh, all of those qualified, brilliant women, if I have to p put my full weight behind one, um, I'm going to put it behind the one that gets nominated. How about that? The one the president picks is the one I'm going to put my full force behind. Would it like it to be a civil rights lawyer the way that Thurgood was, the way that a couple on there are? Sure, because I am one. But what is important to me is that we not miss this moment getting picky, getting petty, pit, building up fiefdoms, getting in camps, finding reasons one is better than the other. No. These women are badasses, every single one of them. And whomever it is will surely be better than the Gorsuches, the, the, the um, ACBs of the world. These, these last picks that have happened pretty much except for uh, the two that Barack Obama still has on the court and the one that, that President Clinton put on the court. Uh, other than that, we're, they're, they're far surpassing all of them, as oh, far as I'm concerned. Dr. Pamela Hill, assistant professor of social work at the University of Texas at Arlington. Look, I'm down for all of them. The point that I'm making, though, is we get trapped in these boxes, especially in, in, uh, in the nation's capital, where they're very dismissive uh, of folks uh, who did not come through uh, the same sort of uh, schools. And so then it becomes, oh, those are the only credentials that matter. And so I want President Biden to look at a wide range of people, a wide range of sisters from different backgrounds, uh, because that is important uh, when you talk about serving on the highest court in the land. Absolutely, absolutely, I totally agree. And you know, we have to remember that black women are rising in ways that we haven't seen in a very long time. We are seeing sisters who are making an impact at all levels, the local, the state, the national. We are seeing these black women uh, who are attorneys, who are becoming judges, who are making an impact and making decisions. And I think, you know, there's a fear. Of course there's a fear. So we want to be qualified. And who makes the decision of what's qualified? Um, I agree that whoever Biden picks a black woman, we should all be behind her. We should all be supportive and we should all uh, make sure that that we do what we can do at the local level as as well. Uh, Brown Lewis, she is the dean of the North Carolina Central University Law School. She joins us uh, right now. Glad to have you here. Um, um, just your thoughts on uh, Justice Stephen Breyer. Uh, he's supposedly he is going to actually officially announce his retirement tomorrow. He has, he has already said to, to the White apparently he talked to President Biden last week, let him know that he was going to retire, and says that he will stay on the court until his replacement has been nominated and confirmed. I think it's a great decision. I think that in the past, um, the, the Democrat nominees have stayed on a bit too long, and then you have a situation where the Republican president has to choose the predecessor. So I think to have this planned secession is a good thing. Um, and so I was quite excited uh, at the possibility of getting uh, a black woman on the Supreme Court. Uh, well, you, you mentioned that black, black woman dog. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you mentioned that planned secession, uh, uh, Candace, when Justice Anthony Kennedy stepped down. He coordinated all of that and basically made it clear to Trump's folks, I'm going to step down, but you've got to put on my chosen person. 
Kavanaugh. Mm, you know, one of the things that Justice Breyer, what would do him good is to do the exact same thing and put his, listen, if he's not going to be a Supreme Court justice anymore, uh, he can go ahead and be political all he wants because he's the person who knows what's good for the court. I also think that, you know, when we talk about those people who are qualified, we already know that the people who are already on the federal bench, uh, one of the potential candidates is on the uh, heads up in the, the California Supreme Court. We already know that they're immaculate. We already know that they, listen, they wouldn't be there if they didn't have an immaculate background. Because they're black, they have to be immaculate. That's another level of expectation that we're often held to. Well, they got to be perfect. But like you said, there are more perfect people out there. They just don't look the same way and have the same qualifications of others that are out there. Not only does Biden have to expand his search in terms of a black woman, but as you said, the types of people and the types of backgrounds that we bring to the table. Because times have changed. You know, the issues that we're dealing with, abortion rights, gun rights, so many rights that we are dealing with, affirmative action, all of these things that a black woman specifically in this world in 2022 would have special experience and bring to the table. Justice Breyer, it would do him right to play in the world of politics at this point and say who his recommendation would be. Why not now? He's not allowed to be, he's not going to be a justice anymore. So politics wouldn't have to be a part of it because that's what he's been fighting over the past few years. Um, Ellie, I want to show this tweet right here that my goodness, when you see it, jumps out at you. Uh, this was from a professor at Princeton. He said, Breyer's replacement will be the sixth Democratic nominee since 1968 compared to 21 Republican nominees. Of the prior 26 nominees, four Dems and 16 Republicans were confirmed. Of course, uh, uh, Bork was the one who wasn't confirmed. If people want to understand why we've consistently had a conservative Supreme Court, that right there tells you it. And it's because conservatives are willing to fight in the weeds for this. So conservatives are willing to go to the mattresses for this at every point. You simply do not see conservative justices willfully retiring under Democratic administrations. That happens now and again on the Democratic side. Um, you see them timing their retirements kind of with a with an understanding of their own mortality. It's been slower on the Democratic side for, for an uptake on that. And when you get to the Senate level, you see Republican senators and therefore Republican politicians fight to the last for their people. Um, and you don't always see that the, the same fire and passion from Democrats. Uh, look, the, the things that we're saying in terms of Def, you know, whoever it is, let's unite. The, I, we do not say this idly, because we know what's going to happen, all right? No matter who Biden picks, we know what the Mike Lees and Josh Hawley's are going to try to do to their resumes. We know that Senator Marsha Blackburn will call Biden's nominee a criminal. She literally just called a black judge that, that Biden nominated a criminal um, with a rap sheet because of he had a couple of moving violations, a couple of speeding tickets um, uh, from literally 10 or 15 years ago. So we know that the Republican smear machine will do everything they can to smear whoever Biden picks. And unfortunately, we know that too many liberals, too many white liberals will start to play the game that they play not just with black women, but literally with any woman. They'll start to play the game of, oh, you know what? I would have supported this other woman, but not this woman, right? Oh, would have, if he had nominated Oprah, I would have supported her. But instead, he nominated Child. Like, whatever they're going to say, we know it's coming.
And so it is important for us to be united and to defend these women, um, whoever the woman is, when she is picked, because we know that they will be attacked ruthlessly by the other side. Uh, Monique, again. Can uh, I say I agree 100% uh, 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 before you ask me a question? Yep, you got it. Uh, David, <laughs> David Nur responded to that tweet we just showed you with this tweet. Since that time, Democrats have won more votes in 62% of presidential elections, but will have filled just 20% of Supreme Court seats. Well, and, you know, and so now we're on the popular vote. Now we're on the difference between electoral college and what it means to have the popular vote. And when we've elected presidents, we've also had popular vote and we've watched the past two uh, Republican presidents not have it. We see what it looks like to have a Senate that is not representative of the numerical votes of the people. Right. Because we saw it last week. We had uh, 48 Democrats representing something like 40 million plus more people um, in the in the United States. Senate than the 50 on the Republican side. So the numbers, because of the manner in which the constitutional system is set up, having the numbers in and of itself, raw numbers, is not enough. And that is what has happened on the court as well. And Roland, you said that they're hoping to control the court for 50 years. Look, I think they're going to control the court for 50 years. Uh, and we knew these stakes. We, I agree with everything that Ellie just said. And 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 we, on your show, we've been screaming for probably, you know, since News One Now days. So six, seven years we've been saying, but the courts, but the courts, but the courts, because the Republicans have been fighting the fights that matter for a long term strategy of deteriorating civil rights and of increasing their own power and increasing their own economic footing. So the the oldest person on the court right now is the one who's about to retire. That's Justice Breyer. I believe he's 83. The next one, Clarence Thomas, is 73 years old. Then Alita 71. And everybody else after that is in their 60s, 50s, and 40s. Well, 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 well Thomas so, is 73. I think Alito is 70. Yes. Uh, and Roberts, well, is, and Roberts is 65. 71. Right. So that's what I'm saying. 60s, and, and 73 is not old. And 71's younger. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we're looking at at least a strong stretch of 10-plus years. Right. Maybe uh, more. Um, and the minute there's there's another Republican mm -hmm. president, then you know a healthy Thomas, right. um, a healthy Alito can retire. So this is where we are. So I I agree with Ellie. People better not be out here saying I want this one and I want that one and this black woman, well, but not that black woman. Enough. The, well, that's don't why, do it. That's, don't do it now. Don't do it later. That's why I keep no, saying. No, he has his list. That's he's that's what that, more black women. You know that than 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 right right. He's, first of all, he, of first of all, he's picked twenty. He knows how to do he's it. picked twenty four black judges this year. Eight of them women in his first year. The, the thing here, the thing here again, what we talk about on the show all the time is that elections matter, uh, Doctor Hill. And when you look at the elections, the elections uh, are very simple, and that is. You replace Breyer, conservatives still hold a six to three uh, lead. Let's say uh, Thomas retires. Okay, even if Democrats are still in the White House, it's now five four. And so now you get to Alito, who's 71. So to that particular point, uh, you know, controlling the courts, you're talking about, yes, another, you know, 10, 15, potentially 20 years where you will have uh, that. That's if, again, if Democrats still control the White House, Republican wins in 2024. Oh, they're going to Republicans win. Let me be real clear. If a Republican wins in 2024, Thomas and potentially Alito will retire to allow them to appoint a conservative ju judge who's anywhere from 45 to 50 years old. 
Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, this is something that we should not be surprised about. Uh, they have been planning and they want to make sure that they, that, they, that they stay in control and stay in control for a long time. And we just have to, you know, again, we, we have to make sure that we support whoever is nominated and that we, we, we again, you know, keep our voices high and pay attention to what's, what's going on and get as, get as many black people, black women specifically in any position to make these decisions. Is 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 critical for us, uh, and I know Ellie. This tweet I'm about to show uh, is going to drive you absolutely out of your mind. Mm. I think you've already commented on that. This is what uh, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, the former chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, said. Uh, she doesn't see a rush to confirm a Breyer replacement. With six months until Justice Breyer departs the court, the Senate Judiciary Committee will have ample time to hold hearings on President Biden's nominee. Let's keep in mind it was one month. Amy Coney Barrett was, uh, was nominated on September 26th uh, to uh, fill the seat of the late Ruth Bader, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was confirmed one month later, nine days before the election. This whole talk about, oh, we got time? No, Senator Feinstein, you don't. You're 84. Lee Hay also is older as well. Democrats got a 50-50 right now, okay? Um, anything happens to one Democratic United States senator? Oh, all this, all this goes up in the air. Uh, I saw another report where it says Democrats have made it clear. No, 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 no. We're going to get this done in a month. And my whole deal is that she should be confirmed and sworn in no later than April 1st. Mm. It is insane. Well, he said he's going to serve his term. He's going to finish his term, he said. It well, well he, he can finish his term, but you can still confirm her. Go, go ahead, uh, Ellie. It is insane how Democrat, how there are some Democrats who still want to play by the old rules that Mitch McConnell has lit on fire. Like, the, when we talk about this generational Republican control of the Supreme Courts, yes, that's true if you don't expand the courts, which we absolutely should, because we can't take 50 years of Republicans controlling the courts. I don't just mean that from a racial justice perspective or a social justice perspective. I mean, the planet cannot take another 50 years of Republicans controlling the court and stopping any meaningful legislation against climate change. So Democrats have to really get with the program. I know that Chuck Schumer has said that we will do this quickly. I would expect Biden's scheduled to give the State of the Union on March 1. I, will, I, I expect that he will have this person announced by then, might even use the State of the Union to announce her. Um, and right. that we will we will have the the the, the hearings over the spring and uh, you know as you say like Breyer said he's going to finish out the term but like the day that term is over this next person is going to be ready to step in all pre confirmed and ready to step in um, to his shoes this is just some this it it has to happen this way because the 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 reality is and again this is not of the Democrats doing these are the rules as given to us by Mitch McConnell. I mean, it's as simple as that. McConnell has proven his willingness to obstruct the entire thing to steal seats on this court. So you, so you have to recognize what he's going to do, stop him from doing it, and then expand the court to, to claw back the ill-gotten gains that he's already banked. First of all, y'all too nice. Candace, damn announcing by March 1st. 
ain't, <laughs> I ain't, I ain't waiting that long, okay? It's uh, January, uh, it's January 26th. You know they've already been sitting here vetting folks. Uh, now, nah, uh, announce that sucker during Black History Month, uh, and then get them confirmations. If he gonna speak to Congress on March 1st, talk that damn confirmation hearing on March 2nd. That's a Wednesday. Uh, get this sucker done by April 1st. Boom. She can raise her, she can raise her hand. She confirm. Y'all ain't, y'all, y'all waiting too damn long. Yeah, I think it's too long, too, Roland. You know, people are talking behind the scenes now to figure out how do we make this go a little quicker. If Justice Breyer said that he was going to finish out his term, so be it. He can change his mind. And I think that it is best that he changes his mind to get a new person in there so people understand that the Democrats aren't playing and that they're not playing before midterms. I think that one thing um, that is important to remember is that the rules that McConnell set down in order to get Amy Coney Barrett in, these are the rules that at least the Democrats get to play by in terms of making sure that their nomination um, nominee is, is confirmed. So in terms of, you know, he got rid of the filibuster rule when it comes to Supreme Court justices. Well, that will play in the Democrats' favor now. Anything that played in the favor of Amy Coney Barrett will now play in the favor of the nominee that uh, Justice Biden, I'm sorry, that the, that President Biden makes. So with that in mind, the quicker the better. Why, why, why would we wait? As you said, so much could happen when we wait. With this 50-50 split Senate, you know, Kamala being the, the, the deciding vote, one person can make all the difference in terms of just upsetting the balance. Why not do it now and get it out of the way? Tick-tock, there's a calendar that we need to beat here. Uh, Dean Lewis is back. Dean Lewis, glad to have you. So, again, what we're, what we're dealing with here... Um, and, and, and I make this point all the time, and people sit here and they, oh, man. And I love these people who say, Roland, why are you always trying to push folks, push us vote Democrat? No, I'm, I'm looking at policy. And when I look at policy, Republicans have made it perfectly clear the kind of judges they want. They have... The, federal, the Federalist Society was created. It was created to utilize the, quote, elite institutions to bring in hard right people to serve as clerks, to graduate, yeah. to then put on the bench. And so when you see Kavanaugh, when you see Gorsuch, when you see Amy Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett when you see all of them, this is, this is a system that they put in place to do this very same thing because they are still pissed off with Brown versus Board of Education. They're one and two. They're pissed off with what took place during the civil rights movement. And so people out here who keep saying, man, this stuff don't matter, these are individuals who outlast multiple presidents. Folk got to understand what it, why it matters when you vote how the Supreme Court comes into play. Exactly. And they impact every aspect of your life. Supreme Court is the most powerful body in the country because they make decisions uh, that impact education, impact health issues, what you do with your body. Um, and like you say, they're supposed to be not political, but they are political and have lifetime requirements. That's a lot of power to give to nine people who do not look like society. They don't reflect the diversity at any level uh, in society. Um, look, it is what we're dealing with here. Uh, it really is monumental, monumental, uh, doc uh, Dr. Hill. How, in your estimation, how must this be conveyed to the average voter, what Dean Lewis, uh, what, what, what she just said, in terms of getting people to understand that you may not think these nine folks in those black robes don't impact your life, but there is nothing in your life 
that they don't make decisions on? I think it's a lack of understanding how government works. Some people missed that when they took that government class in college about how the system works and not understanding that these people make decisions that affect our lives. And if they're going to be there for 50 years, they will also affect our children and our grandchildren's lives. So we have to educate us on what it means when someone when is appointed to the Supreme Court, because those are decisions when it's, when it's at the high court, my goodness. We just, we have to be better educated. And I think those of us who know have to make sure that we teach, teach others. But we got to start with educating Congress. I mean, the the like I'll 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 make fun of people who don't understand the courts. But we got to start making fun of people who don't understand the courts that are elected to Congress who don't understand how the courts work, who often don't understand how their legislation can be vetoed by a John Roberts or a Sam Alito. Like, quite frankly, the Democratic Party as an institution has never respected the awesome power of the Supreme Court in the way that Republicans do. And so the Republican politician is the person who is the vanguard, who is out there explaining to the Republican base, look, the courts are important because anything that the Republican base voter wants, the Republican politician ties to the Supreme Court. Hey, you don't like it when, when gay people have rights? You got to give me the Supreme Court. Hey, you don't like it when black people seem to have money? Well, you got to give me the Supreme Court. They say that to their voters, whereas Democratic politicians do not make that one-to-one -one connection to our base voters of what the Supreme Court does and can do, because, frankly, too many of them don't understand it themselves. Well, we want to think that all we got to do is elect a president and everything's going to be fine, and it doesn't work that way. And so you have to start with educating, like, actual Congress, and then have the Congress people be the ones on the front lines educating the rest of the people about how important this institution is. Well, well actually, that was one of the things in 2016, Monique, that I was doing. I was sitting there going, look, I don't give a damn how you feel about Hillary Clinton. I'm telling you who she's going to appoint, which is why... You tried to tell him. Which is why, which him. is why, and look, I'll tell y'all right now, there's a reason, you know, I don't get no Christmas cards and get no invites uh, to nothing <laughs> Obama does, because I was hardcore in 2016 when Alito passed away about Obama needing to appoint a black woman. I personally felt, and look, Hillary, Hillary Clinton could have always lost to Donald Trump. I personally felt they had Obama nominated a black woman instead of Merrick Garland, knowing full well the Republicans were never going to even give that person a hearing, that it would have set up this amazing contrast, this historic appointment of a black woman being blocked by a bunch of largely old white men who were Republicans. Folks would have been pissed off for nine months, would have been on fire. No, he appoints Merrick Garland. And I'm sorry, in the history of the United States Supreme Court, there have been 115 justices, 108 white men. What? nobody about to go out and fight for another white dude? And so, all... I'm, I'm so, they weren't. I mean, you know, you know, we we've disagreed as many times as we can possibly disagree on that. Uh, I was just on live the other night talking about what an incredible disrespect it was to not just the presidency of Barack Obama, but to the voters who put in the hands of the president the responsibility for selecting the person who is nominated to the Supreme Court. And then we, the people who actually vote and say we want a president who's going to be able to make that decision, then don't want to back the decision if it's not the person that we want. 
and we don't, we're not willing to go all out. We should have been going to the mattresses over that nominee in that disrespect of our vote and our democracy, no matter who the nominee was. And if we had to be tickled with color, tickled with race, tickled with emotion, shame on us. It wasn't going to happen either way, though. I'm persuaded what? that what? because of when um, the the opening came and Mitch McConnell's decision making, it wasn't going to happen either way. But all of the rage that we should have had, we should have had no matter who the first black president of the but, United States. But, but that, but Monet, but Monet, he Monet, wanted Monet. to be his choice. I, I, but here's the, deal, here's the deal, though. I'm going to bring Ellie. I'm going to bring Ellie and Candace here, Dr. Hill, in. But here's the deal, okay? I get all of that. I also understand okay. I understand hardcore basic politics. I also understand framing. I understand uh, imagery. And the bottom line is this here. It would have been hell for Republicans to justify completely ignoring a black woman for nine months. Which is why, Ellie, when Obama, excuse me, when Biden was running, there was a reason why he said, my first Supreme Court pick is going to be a black woman. That was a political, that was a political calculation. You got you can't live in this world of, oh no, it's not politics, picking a Supreme Court justice. It is. Ellie, Candace, Dr. Go, Dr. Uh, Ellis, Candace, Dr. Hill, go. Hey, both of y'all being too nice, because I would have nominated whoever I had, just had him show up at the Supreme Court and have Roberts arrest him. Like, just show up to work. Number one. Number two, look, let's remember, Kentaji Brown-Jackson, finalist for that Merrick Garland appointment. So to bring it kind of back full circle, if she gets it now, it would there would be some poetic sweet justice in that. She was, a, she was in the room at the end um, for that appointment. Hopefully she gets it this time. And if not, again, there is a deep bench of great people that Biden can choose. She was in the room at the time, but again, we know who he picked. I'm just simply saying, but uh, Candace, Biden made a political calculation when he said during the campaign, I am going to pick a black woman. The reason I was saying that for Obama, because I said, look, he appoints a black woman. When I had Hillary Clinton on time during the morning show and asked her the question, she had to say, yeah, if that person doesn't get confirmed, I'm going to reappoint them. So you pretty much locked it in. That's right. Listen, as much as we've talked about the Democrats not planning, Joe Biden planned that, like you said. He knew exactly what he was doing to get the attention of black women who know how to get out there and vote and do exactly what we need to do for the democratic process. At this point, I'm, I'm thinking, why not look at Kamala? Why don't we look at Vice President Kamala Harris to get out the message about the importance of the Supreme Court? She's a black woman. Right? So she's the one who could probably convey a strong message about what it means to have someone in that seat and what it means literally for generations to come. So, you know, I think that being said, I think she's the one to do the job. That's my final word on that. Uh, Dr. Hill, uh, li literally, while all these folks, like, you know, all these other people out here, everybody got like that, that, little, that little trash, little child home fox and the rest of these people uh, running around here talking about, oh, you shouldn't be picking, you shouldn't be basing things on race and gender. I'm like, that's what y'all white folks been doing for forever. So don't yeah. all of a sudden act like when we have a conversation, like, you ain't done that. You know, we got to stop being scared. <laughs> we are We got to be purposeful and we have to use our voices. And I keep saying this because it's so important. You know, young people are paying attention. And so they need to know how to speak up, when to speak up. They need to understand how the system works and then how it hasn't worked for us. But we see other folks doing that, you know, and, and, you know, I will tell my 
colleagues, you know, that we have to understand that white people have been doing stuff and it's been, oh, it's okay. But when black folk do it, well, you're a criminal, you haven't been just doing this, you're out of line. No, no, no. We have to begin to speak up, not be scared, and, you know, support each other and, and do it without apologizing. Well, I, I just think, again, I think what happens is for a lot of people, uh, uh, Dean Lewis, they, 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 they get caught up in this whole thing of, you know, oh, you know, let me go through this whole piece. No, this right here is literally my response to any of these people who are whining and complaining about Biden potentially picking a black woman. Exactly. Uh, control room, I need you to wake up. Thank you. Let's go. Show it. Yep. That's it right there. It's the Chris Tucker <laughs> wave from Fly Friday. Uh -uh, whatever. <laughs> I ain't even, I ain't even, I ain't even this with this here. No, 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 Dean Lewis, go. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And one thing that people fail to realize in this whole situation, less than 5% of lawyers are black. So you're talking about uh, somebody who is in a small class um, of elite class to be on the Supreme Court is almost, you know, like getting uh, a grain of salt on the beach. So I think that we have to be unapologetically supportive of a black woman on the Supreme Court. Everybody else is unapologetically. I mean, the Republicans are very clear about who they want on the court. Yep. And they do it without shame, and they don't have to apologize. And I agree, we need to stop being scared and just say it is what it is. Uh, Elliot, now you got to do another network. Uh, your final comment. I am just couldn't be more excited for the deepness of the bench. And again, I, I, I say this all the time because it's real. it really is amazing to me. The quality of legal decisions and legal writing that we have from the potential shortlist candidates is amazing. Uh, Leandro Kruger, just one of the more eloquent uh, advocates you'll ever meet. Uh, um, um, uh, Judge Childs um, has this amazing personal story um, um, of really lifting other people up. Um, one judge we haven't talked about, um, Judge Jackson Akume, um, she is a former federal defender, former federal um, public defender, um, which is a kind of experience that we usually don't get on the Supreme Court. Whoever Biden picks, it's going to be a great choice. Uh, and of course, Ellie just tweeted this, which I think is hilarious. I think you just tweeted this. Uh, Ellie tweeted, y'all, watching Senator Tim Scott vote against the first black woman Supreme Court nominee is going to be something else, doubly so when Lindsey Graham votes for her. 100, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Watch that happen. Watch that happen. Yes. Lindsey Graham voted for, yes. for Kentaji Brown-Jackson um, for the district court. Tim Scott did not. Watch it happen again. All right, I got to go. Ellie, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Monique. Go ahead. <laughs> No, agree 100%. And you know, and I, I hadn't seen that tweet from him, but it is so 100% on target. And you know, I, I a number of times now have had the the um, misfortune to be in the room with both of them in conversations, and I, I have never been so wrong about the way I pegged anything in terms of who I thought would be genuine and who wasn't, who I thought would have an understanding, not just of the law, because Lindsay obviously is a form former lawyer turned senator, but also an understanding of process and why things are important and who didn't, and someone who actually backs up what they say with action. And so, you know, I'm not in, by any stretch of the imagination in the Lindsey Graham fan club, but just as Ellie mentioned, when these votes matter, 
he still keeps sticking them over here, understanding the importance of civil rights, of, of some um, unfettered process where police misconduct is concerned. Um, and when it doesn't go right, they blame everything on Tim Scott, and he's perfectly willing to be that person. So we are, just like what we had to watch the mess last week with, with his speech on the floor, with Tim Scott's speech on the floor, we're about to see more more of the same. Um, say. No, and also, I, and also, what we're looking at, uh, Candace. Again, we're going to be seeing this be some of these stories. But one of the women uh, that uh, that apparently is on the short list, she's out of South Carolina. She actually has her confirmation hearing next week That's for right. uh, for uh, a higher position in the federal judiciary. And you know what? This is great. I think because all eyes will be on her so that we can get a sense of who she is, get a little precursor, an introduction about the type of women that we are going to see in this process. And as you said, it's good for her to have that leg up, especially if she doesn't have that Ivy League background, which we're so used to. But I just want to say one thing we were talking before about people getting to know the process. I think during this time, during COVID, people are really more aware of the judicial process and what the court system means. Because when it comes to masks, when it comes to having, you know, a rent abatement stop, when it comes to things that have to do with COVID, all eyes have been on the Supreme Court for the past couple of years during COVID. And I do think at least with that, people are paying more attention. And uh, like you said, people will be paying attention next week, especially after now uh, that Stephen Breyer has made this announcement. And Dr. Hill, um, if you are Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Kristen Sinema, or you a Democrat, you better tread real lightly when right. it comes to who right. his sister that gets picked. Right. You know, um, I think they just, you know, I don't know what's wrong with them, but um, they are doing a big disservice to the people that they claim to uh, serve. And so uh, it, 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 it will be interesting to watch to see how they proceed on this as well. Definitely. Well, I tell you what, uh, Dean Lewis, there's no doubt that whoever uh, President Biden picks, uh, the black legal com community is going to be out in full force, uh, making it clear to any United States senator uh, to stand with this pick. And I dare say black folks put pressure. I don't care if your senators are Republicans, put pressure on them as well. Definitely. The black women deans, we have the all-time number of black women deans. We have 27, and we will be doing a joint statement. We will be putting pressure on everybody to make sure that they support this nominee. And, and I'll tell you one person uh, who is going to be in the hot seat, uh, he is from your state, Senator Richard Burr, because he's, he's retiring, and you've got that open seat, you've got the former Supreme Court Justice of, of North Carolina, Sherry Beasley, who is running to get the Democratic nomination. And so, if, if you are Senator Richard Burr, and you're the Republicans who are trying to replace him, how hmm. they come down could also have an impact on black voter turnout in North Carolina uh, in the fall. And this is why, how I'm connecting the dots, because if you're in Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson plans to run for re-election. This is going to be 
Again, one of those issues that Mandela Barnes, who is uh, the lieutenant governor, who's trying to get the Democratic nomination, is going to be an issue. Pennsylvania, same thing. Pat Toomey is stepping down. How is Senator Marco Rubio going to vote running against Congresswoman Val Demings in Florida? How will, how will Portman vote, who's retiring in Ohio, will impact that Senate race as well? Then, of course, how will, how will Rand Paul uh, uh, vote, who's running against Charles Booker? So, again, I'm laying out how, how the Supreme Court, this pick, could have implications on those U.S. Senate races in the fall, which will further determine who controls the Senate after the midterms. Look out for all of that. Dean Lewis, uh, North Carolina Central. I rocked y'all's shirt yesterday. I should have worn a shirt today, uh, but I had, I had your sweater on yesterday. I certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, thanks a bunch. Look forward to having you back. Very good. Thanks for having me. All right. And Ellie, Mr. Uh, of course, with the nation, uh, Ellie had to step, step away as well. All right, y'all, we ain't done with legal stuff. Uh, when we After this break, we're going to talk about a huge decision out of Alabama uh, that said, oh, y'all want to screw black voters? Federal judges said, nope, ain't going to happen. We'll talk with the lawyers from the NAACP Legal Defense Fund about that uh, and a critical victory. Uh, of course, it's not over, but we will talk about it. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Don't you think it's time to get wealthy? I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show on the Black Star Network focuses on the things your financial advisor or bank isn't telling you. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
right, folks. Uh, Nasheem Tony has been missing for more than a week from Norfolk, Virginia. The 13-year-old is 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighs 150 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. When Nasheem disappeared, he was wearing uh, army green pants, a red hoodie pullover, a blue zip-up hoodie, white and black high-top shoes. Anyone with information on Nasheem, please call the Norfolk Police Department at 757-664-7000. 757-664-7000. Now, we've been telling you on this show how Republicans have been using gerrymandering in order to uh, further their control of the United States House. I've said a lot that they could literally, literally take control of the United States House before a single vote is cast based upon gerrymandering. But one of the ways they have been doing that uh, is essentially packing African-Americans into one district. I'll give you an example, in South Carolina, Congressman Jim Clyburn's district is plus 17 African-American. In South Carolina, they actually made, redid his district. It's now plus 34. Why does that matter? The other 17, they took it out of another district that to actually make it more favor of a Republican versus the Democrats. Well, Alabama, same drama there. Federal judges blocked Alabama from using newly drawn congressional districts in upcoming elections. Folks, the three-judge panel concluded the state should have, should have two districts two majority black districts or two districts with a sizable portion of the black electorate. Joining me now to talk about this decision uh, is uh, a counsel for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, uh, Catherine uh, Sadasivan, hopefully I pronounced that correct, uh, who let litigate this case. Catherine, glad to have you here. Uh, and, and this is the thing that, that we, we try to have, use this show as Civics 101 to get people to understand uh, all these the different games that are being played. Uh, and talk about what they did there in Alabama. Because, because somebody may say, well, hey, what's the big deal? Uh, that guarantees an African-American from Alabama, but it, it lessens the power of black voters to impact two districts, two seats, not one. Thanks, Roland. Thanks so much for having us. So as I'm sure you know, this is a huge win for all Alabamians, for all people whose cause is justice, and those who remain, despite the political climate, committed to bipartisanship. This was, of course, Alabama's first redistricting process without the protections, the full protections, of the Voting Rights Act, Section 5. Um, and as a result, the legislature, you know, did not take its obligations under the Voting Rights Act particularly seriously. In a one-week special session culminating on November 4th, the legislature passed a congressional redistricting map that, as you mentioned, packed black voters across the black belt in congressional districts one, two, uh, cracked black voters across congressional districts one, two, and three, and then packed black voters into congressional district seven. Um, this decision, however, will require the Alabama legislature, um, which has until February 11th, to draw a new map that complies with the Voting Rights Act, Section 2, and ensures that there is a uh, black voting age population majority in at least two U.S. congressional districts. So right now, Congresswoman Terry Sewell is the only African-American uh, in the Alabama congressional delegation. And so with this ruling, does that mean that potentially, uh, depending upon who runs, there could be two African-Americans from Alabama in Congress? 
That's exactly right, Roland. And, you know, it's important to say from the outset that Alabama, since Reconstruction, has only ever elected a black member of Congress from that single congressional district from which Terry Sewell currently represents. And it was only after litigation under the Voting Rights Act that that district was created as a majority black district to ensure that despite the racially polarized nature of Alabama's politics and voting accordingly, that black candidates could win an election to congressional office. So yes, now as a result of the court's decision, uh, which of course the state of Alabama is appealing, uh, wasting tons of taxpayer money, despite the fact that this is a you know, a, a bipartisan decision, although it is a federal court. And of course, one would hope that it would be uh, not partisan. These were two, uh, a three-judge panel of two recently appointed uh, Trump appointees and a Reagan appointee who, you know, took the time, seven days of trial, uh, to really listen to the case that the the plaintiffs in Milligan and our wonderful partners across Alabama um, alongside the, the Legal Defense Fund, put together in a seven-day hearing in January. And luckily, the court uh, was able to hear the evidence, you know, review the mountains of evidence and the experts that we put on and came to the result that this was the quintessential case of a Section 2 vote dilution, by, you know, violation of the Voting Rights Act, and that it wasn't even a close case. Mm, I'm sure my uh, panel is ready for some questions, especially my two lawyers. Uh, Candace Kelly, I'll start with you. Well, I, I'm just wondering how you feel about the fact that there were two Trump appointees that were on this case that decided that this violated the Voting Rights Act. What does that say for the future when we think about a Trump appointee um, and any Republican appointee, even they recognize that this was a violation of the Voting Rights Act? You know, I think that's, that's a great question. It's something that we will, you know, continue to to hearken back to as we continue to push forward in the courts. Of course, LDF is committed to continuing uh, to to fight um, black voter suppression and all methods of injustice in the courts, despite you know the the kind of turn of the federal judiciary recently. Um, and I think this case we put together an extremely compelling case. You know, I don't I don't think I want to emphasize the hundreds of pages um, of briefing that we put in, um, the, the numerous experts and expert testimony that the court considered. And of course, this is not something that we can continue or that black voters or the, the black voting public should be continued to force, uh, be forced to, to undertake in order to get some measure of justice. So, um, you know, it is a, a huge and important win. It is um, a recognition um, on the part of, you know, even some partisan members of the judiciary. And, you know, I, I don't mean to suggest these judges were partisan, but it is, you know, a, a bipartisan decision that reflects kind of the, the overall strength of the case and the, the nonpartisan nature of the cause that we put forward. That being said, um, it was a tremendous effort, and, and the black voting public cannot continue to shoulder, you know, the costs of bringing this kind of litigation and, and the time and resources necessary to bring it. It's why it's critical that we have federal legislation that ensures that this kind of protection uh, is available on the front end as opposed to kind of on the back end through litigation. Monique? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about when the VRA was gutted and when uh, the court said, that court, which of course is not this one, um, said, but there's, you know, a remedy that it can be fixed in the legislature where, where it belongs, that the law can be crafted and tailored such that the concerns that they raised can be addressed. Are you concerned 
though with the court um, as it's composed now, that even when you win in lower courts, that all it takes is some money and some willpower um, for people to keep appealing to the Supreme Court and that now we will end up with a Supreme Court that is unfavorable no matter how obvious and plain the racism or the discriminatory effect or intent is in these cases? That is a, another fantastic question, and you all are probably, you know, as well positioned or better to answer these questions than I am. But, you know, I and I think that the Supreme Court's authority is greatly undermined when it engages in judicial activism. The Supreme Court's democracy jurisprudence in particular has, I think, undermined confidence of the American public in the court's impartiality. And the court in particular in the voting rights sphere with its decisions in Shelby County versus Holder gutting um, the protections of Section 5 in states like Alabama and the court's recent de decision in Brnovich versus Democratic National Committee, um, weakening Section 2's protection uh, of black communities in vote denial cases, um, not vote dilution cases. But I think Milligan, you know, this case that we're talking about exemplifies uh, how racial discrimination in voting creates unique blockages in the ordinary majoritarian political process that the federal courts are actually uniquely positioned to address. And I think for public confidence in the impartiality of the Supreme Court itself, it's really critical that the court ha takes this opportunity uh, to consider the merits, because there will be an appeal to the Supreme Court, and that it declines to engage in the judicial activism of it has in the past uh, to, to not continue to prevent black voters from engaging in the American political process. Dr. Hill. Yes, um, we need you in Texas because we are having the issues where, you know, yeah. But um, what do you think that the outcome will be if this will affect other states? So, so what will the impact of this case be in similar lawsuits that I'm sure y'all are undertaking in other states? Um, you know, we are continuing to fight to ensure this decision um, and the court's remedy continues. Um, so our, you know, kind of first, um, or at least my first co cause of action is to ensure that this this decision stays and that they, you know, to the extent possible, we do everything that we can to, you know, not allow the Supreme Court to use this opportunity to engage in judicial activism, to gut protections designed to protect black voters. Um, but, you know, more broadly, we are considering how this should be, um, you know, an example in other states. I think we have seen the kind of arguments that, um, certain state legislatures put forward to justify packing and cracking black voters and to claim that, um, you know, compliance with the Voting Rights Act in creating majority black districts is actual racial gerrymandering, which it is not. Um, and so I think we are better prepared to deal with um, what is to come. I think we have good case law, good facts, good people in our team, and, you know, the LDF, the Legal Defense Fund, is is in this fight, and we are ready to continue to carry it forward, both myself and my many wonderful colleagues. All right, Catherine, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, and as I always used to tell uh, Kristen uh, Clark, which ran the Lawyers Committee, uh, always you got to let people know how they can support the work of the LDF. Yeah, absolutely.
Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, to support us, I think, you know, just keep uh, following us, keep, you know, donating to Black-owned businesses um, and, you know, contacting your senators and asking for them to really stop blocking voting rights progress. Mm -mm, Catherine, you got to give y'all website to donate. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, tr I'm trying to help you. I had you the same thing to Christian. All that you said is fine, but you got to get an LDF website and say, hit that donate button. That's right. I, I have much less experience than Ms. Clark. So NAACPLDF.org. We look forward to seeing your donation and hearing from you soon. Thank you so every, much. Every time you do TV, hit that donate, Catherine. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. And yes, I'm about to send Damon Hewitt a text message because he didn't do the same damn thing earlier. I'm telling y'all, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to let them know how you do this thing. <laughs> All right, y'all. I gotta go to a break. We come back, man. Wait till I show y'all. You know, this idiot who who DeSantis picked to be the Surgeon General of Florida. Oh my God, how stupid this man is. Wait till you see this answer when it came to vaccines. We'll also talk about uh, this important project of former Congress in dealing with the issue of uh, brains and, and, uh, and working with um, Africans as well. So it's a great project they're working on. We're gonna uh, unveil it to you. So got lots to discuss, folks. Uh, so stay right there. If you wanna support us in what we do, of course, join. Uh, first of all, uh, download the Black Star Network app. You know, uh, we've already passed 25,000. I would try to get 50,000 downloads. Would you download it on all your devices, your Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, Xbox, and also Samsung Smart TV. And please support us in what we do. Your dollars make it possible for us to hire staff to get bigger, to grow. Uh, and so Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Uh, Y'all have already seen the promos. We're going to show two right now. Beginning January 31st, launching four new shows on the Black Star Network. Uh, can't wait to do so. Uh, Deborah uh, Owens is going to have her uh, financial show. Then, of course, Raji Muhammad is going to have uh, his uh, daily news show. And so after these commercials, we're going to show those promos. And so y'all get tuned because, again, we're building. And so when I'm telling y'all, hey, why support matters, downloading but also uh, investing, it allows for us to expand the, uh, the platform. Uh, to do it. I got some of y'all hitting me up, tweeting me saying, where's a legal show? Uh, where's a cooking show? Where's this show? Well, all them shows cost money, okay? Ain't none of it free, okay? And so that's why it matters. So again, Cash App is RM, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Uh, so support us there. Pull it up. Pull it up. Come on, y'all. Pull it up. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. PayPal is rmartinunfiltered. Again, Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. We'll be back in a moment.
Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, this is Essence Atkins. Hey, I'm Dion Cole from Blackish. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. All right, folks, if y'all want to uh, deal with just, if y'all want to say stuck on stupid, whoo, Florida Democrats, y'all, just got tired of it. They walked out of a contentious confirmation hearing for uh, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who was nominated by Governor Ron DeSantis to be the Florida Surgeon General. Democrats' frustrations rapidly grew as Ladapo for his lengthy circular responses, where he wouldn't directly answer their questions about his background and the state's response to the pandemic. Five times, State Senator Lauren Book asked Ladapo if vaccines worked against the coronavirus. He just refused to say. Watch this stupidity. Believe that vaccines in Yo, fighting against the pandemic, like COVID nineteen, are effective. You recognize? Yeah. Thank you for your question, Senator. So, again, I would I would say that that the um, the question is a scientific one, and it's one that is answered with data. So, um, so the uh, the the question the question is informed by um, data on you know on specific outcomes and specific specific therapies. So that's I, that's the uh, that's the scientific question, Mr. Chair. Uh, just a couple more follow ups. Just a yes or no. Do vaccines work in fighting against COVID-19? Yes or no? You recognize. Senator, um, I just, I, I, as a scientist, you know, I, 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 I am compelled to answer the scientific question. And I'd be happy to answer any specific scientific question that you have uh, related to vaccines and COVID-19. Scientifically, do vaccines, does the, do the vaccines work against preventing COVID-19? Yes or no? Okay. Recognized. Okay. Oh, thank you again, Senator. So, uh, you know, it, it, yes or no questions are, are not that, uh, that easy to find in science. Um, so I will, I understand, I think I, I have better clarity about your, your question at this point. So what I would say is that the most commonly used vaccines in the United States, which would be the the, um, the Pfizer product and the product that was was developed by Moderna, um, have been shown to have um, relatively high effectiveness for the prevention of hospitalization. After the walkout, the Senate Health Policy Committee voted without its Democratic members to recommend 
that Joseph Ladapo be confirmed as Florida Surgeon General. I mean, how stupid can we be, Monique? I mean, this Republicans don't care, but this, oh, it's a scientific question, so I'm going to give you a scientific answer. No! Yes or no? <laughs> no, I mean, I kept giggling um, because that... <sighs> All the things that we try not to say about black folks when it's handbone, handbone, um, that's that's what that was. And I don't believe at all that it had to do with stupidity. I think it had to do with the fact that he knew that he was in there to get that job because the Republicans who were willing to give it to him would not at all permit him to say what is true. Of course, vaccines work. He could have qualified his answer, but he was so on pins and needles, so, mm. you know, just throat chakra all, all tied up, um, unable to have an ounce of, to show an ounce of training or intelligence or even, I mean, she literally, she handed him his hind parts because he had to stand there and be absurd in order to get through and vote. They told him, just don't answer it. Don't say anything good about vaccines. Don't say anything good about boosters. Don't say anything good about any way that anything is improving. And so he was left looking like a certified fool. And, 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 he, and that, he's likely not one. He's not one. No, no, but, no. He, no he, he's, you're he, locked in. No, he's, he's not one. Uh, look, he is promoted um, unproven treatments. He opposes vaccine requirements. He opposes mask mandates. Uh, and Candace, we're talking about somebody who, I'm, I'm looking here, is the son of a microbiologist. There we go. Okay. Where'd he go to school? He, he got, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-uh. Got his <laughs> degree in chemistry from Wake Forest. Duke got his MD from Harvard Medical School. His PhD from Harvard Graduate School. Has been in internal medicine. Acted at, worked at UCLA. Uh, and so this is somebody who was just, he, he essentially, he's an anti-vaxxer. And so, versus having the guts to say, I don't believe in these things. He on the grift. He just sat here, and, and that's why DeSantis picked him. And to your point earlier, that's why just because somebody has an Ivy League degree Boom. doesn't mean that they're the person for the job. And, you know, all I heard was him just saying words in a row. They just didn't even make sense. We don't have to be a public speaker necessarily to hold office, but you do have to make sense. You do have to you know, put some meat on that bone in order for people to understand what you are saying. Here, he was evading to the, the question to a point like like was spoken that it was just absurd. He stood up there uh, and, and, and just didn't answer the question, which is the whole point of this process. And, there, you know, and then there's some other things that matter with him. You know, I'm not sure um, uh, if we were going to talk about this whole idea of him lying, potentially being at the UCLA and, and treating COVID patients. And when people said, you know, who worked alongside him or didn't work alongside him, said he, he wasn't treating COVID patients at that time. I'm not sure what he was saying, but it just didn't sound like the truth. And based upon a lot of stories that I've heard about him and his background, he doesn't seem to be a real truth teller. And we know that because he doesn't believe that vaccinations are the right thing to do.
I, I just stopped the hill to sit there and, and, and listen to him. Uh, I saw Dr. Hill's out there, uh, but I just, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm sitting here going, uh, I don't have confidence in your ass being a Surgeon General of Florida. <laughs> I mean, trust me, if I'm listening to that answer, I don't want his ass talking to me at all. That's just, that's just me. All right, y'all. Uh, but again, of course, Republicans, they, su they support him. Folks in the nation's capital, hundreds of high school students participated in a walkout to pro protest for safer learning conditions in schools. Organizers of the walkout Students for Safe Learning are asking the school district to provide necessities to ensure a safe learning environment. The list of demands include weekly testing for 100% of students and staff, accurate COVID data reporting, safer meals, time, spaces, provide, K95, uh, provide KN95 and N95 masks, Transition to virtual learning amid the latest surge in COVID protocols and HVAC ventilation systems. Weekly deep cleaning, virtual learning options for all families. The protest is the latest in the wave of walkouts by students in the cities across the nation, including Chicago, Denver, as well as Oakland. All right, folks, so Wyoming County has a new sheriff who's not tolerating racism nor discrimination of any kind. The first black sheriff in the state, Aaron Applehans, fired a white deputy for tormenting and harassing a black deputy for years. The black deputy ultimately quit. P Patrol Sergeant Christian Hanley tormented Corporal uh, Jamin Johnson with racial slurs and harassment while serving as Albany County deputies from 2011 to 2014. Hanley also used derogatory comments towards black people. When he became Johnson's supervisor, he wrote him up for several misconduct infractions. Johnson is now suing Hanley. Mm, he now is out of a job. And in Missouri, St. Louis County is making history with its first black police chief in a 66-year history. St. Louis County Board of Police Commissioners appointed Kenneth Gregory, who has been the interim chief for six months as a new leader. The 70-year-old is the department's 10th chief and first person of color to lead the St. Louis region's second largest police agency. He has worked in the department for over 40 years and has led several departments. We also know, of course, that that particular uh, department uh, has been rife uh, with racism, actually, the whole St. Louis region. So there you go. All right, folks, uh, former Congressman Shaka Fatah of Philadelphia is leading the push for the research of African brains. In October, uh, he called for the African Brain Research Fund during the Global Neuroscience Conference. To do that, he's joined forces with an African professor. He's, uh, he, uh, first of all, Congressman, uh, former Congressman Fatah, again, as I said, founder and CEO of Fatah Neuroscience, joins us now from Philadelphia, and Professor Amadi Ahuano, I hope I pronounced it right, uh, founder of the Brian Wellness Initiative. He is from New York. Glad to have you both. Um, uh, Shaka, I'll start with you. Um, where does this interest in this project come from? Well, first of all, Roland, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm glad that you're building this network so that People who need to get information can get it and hopefully act intelligently on it. Um, I've been working in the field of brain science and brain health for more than a decade, and we've been focused on this question. And I spoke to the Society for Neuroscience in Africa and said that we needed to empower African scientists who are focused on brain science, brain health issues. Um, now, worldwide, we got a billion and a half people with a brain disease or disorder. In Africa, which is where the modern human brain emerged, uh, we've had a dearth of investment in the resources to do to, to really provide support for researchers on the continent uh, to participate in trying to find, you know, cures and treatments and approaches, whether it's related to epilepsy or dementia, bipolar disease, schizophrenia. You run through the gambit. Uh, Africa is a place where I am confident we can make some progress. 
And the 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 leading African neuroscientist uh, at the time running the society, Dr. Amadi, who's with us this evening, has uh, we've joined in a partnership so that over the next five years, we're going to be working to bring resources and bring relationships between the U.S. Brain Initiative, which I launched, uh, which is now a $2 billion uh, effort here in the United States with another $4 billion in the pipeline, looking at mapping the human brain and trying to find uh, the appropriate therapies for some of the challenges that we face, that we can marry up the U.S. effort, uh, the efforts in the U uh, European Union and others, and really provide resources to a group of scientists who I think are closer to getting some answers uh, because they're at the scene where the human brain emerged. They're in the environment where the brain was developed. And whether it's in the plant life or in the animal life or in the, the therapeutics that may have been passed down by generations uh, in the, on the continent, there's something for us to learn. Uh, Dr. Amadi, the, the Professor Amadi, there's somebody who's saying, okay, I don't really know how this impacts me. How so? How does this project impact uh, an everyday person who's watching or listening? Okay, uh, thank you, Ronald. Uh, what has actually happened is having run the Society of Neuroscientists, uh, uh, Society of the Neuroscience of Africa, for the past four years. I've had the opportunity to identify the areas and the gaps we have in, in assessing resources and assessing uh, equipments that are needed critically for research that should be conducted on the African continent. You know, we, we've seen uh, colleagues move up to the north to try to engage research and partner with laboratories. But I think we're at a point where we should be having these laboratories, we should be having these researches done on the continent. And, and that is where the Brain and uh, brain Wellness Initiative comes in. And, and, I, and I just consider that uh, somebody like Chakai was in a good position from what is done in the U.S. to, to, to assist us to bring uh, uh, the, the needed resources and the needed attention for, for people in the U.S. And, and even in Europe and other areas to, to help us, you know, change this situation that we have uh, on the continent. Questions uh, for the panel? Candice, I'll start with you. So I'm wondering, in terms of Africa specifically and the brain research versus uh, another uh, continent, what would be the differences in terms of Africa specifically and, and why there? Well, all science comes out of a person's actual uh, life experiences. So if you were uh, in a situation where in your family uh, some particular, you know, tea or uh, some kind of derivative of a plant was used to treat a particular type of ailment, um, that may lead to a pharmaceutical derivative that can be utilized uh, for like illnesses or challenges. So in the Africa context, you have a greater genetic diversity than anywhere else on the earth. That is, every other human being has 99% of their DNA is the exact same as any other person. On the continent, there's a 5% differential because that's where the human race began. And so you have this greater diversity. A lot of the brain-related illnesses are genetic in nature. Um, so the idea is there's 140,000 plants that need to be studied. Uh, of the four drugs now approved 
these are minor treatments, but of, I don't say minor, the, of the four treatments authorized for Alzheimer's, two are from plants, and both of them are from the continent. So there's reason to believe that having to do with the evolutionary convergence uh, that would, would have taken place in the biology at the time, that there are other answers there for us to find. Oni? Is there a way that um, we can ensure that the still the inhabitants, the citizens um, of the continent and their resources aren't pillaged as they have been in times past where when things like this, the necessary work that you're doing um, takes hold and people figure it out, but then it seems like the people who deserve to receive the first-in-line treatment don't get it. Is there a protection for that? Well, the key here yes. is, we're, and this is going to be African-directed and African-controlled research. That is, the, 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 the whole premise is that we don't want to have uh, an academic colonialism uh, where, you know, someone at UCLA or someone at the University of Penn wants something studied and they get somebody in Africa yeah. to study it. No, the idea here is to empower African neuroscientists to examine the hypothesis and theories that they have. And I want Dr. Amadi to address this also, because I think his, his, he'll be able to make, make a more even concise point on it. Yes, uh, I think what, what has happened over the years is the, issue, the ethical aspects in terms of uh, recognizing the sources, especially of some of these uh, plants and the ideas behind that. We've come to the point where that is being protected uh, we've come to the point where any investigation that has to take place has to recognize the, the researchers who are on ground in the country. And most of the countries and most of the institutions have established uh, uh, IR boards that, that review these researchers and insists that people on the ground are involved directly and those who are also going to be benefiting from this are informed of the processes that are involved. So we, we, we are conscious of that, and we are very particular that the research and the ideas should be done on the continent. All right, then, uh, Dr. Amadi, uh, Shaka Fatah, gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Good luck, good luck with the project. Thank you, and thank you. Thank for you, Roland, and thank you for the team. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. All right, folks, got to go to a quick break. We'll be back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
Don't you think it's time to get wealthy? I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show on the Black Star Network focuses on the things your financial advisor or bank isn't telling you. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. You know how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone, you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it. We upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it, <laughs> slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Of course, uh, every Wednesday, uh, we have our uh, t uh, Tech Talk uh, segment, where, of course, presented by Verizon, where we talk to African-Americans in this space. A black-owned startup company is trying to bring intimacy back to social media. Truso, a video-based social app, creates a social environment as close to face-to-face -face as one can get. The app's goal is to create a safe networking space that's truly social, inclusive, and empowering for all its users. Matthew Newman is founder and CEO of Truso, and actor and entrepreneur Kareem Grimes joins us to explain more. Okay, so what does that mean in terms of as face-to-face -face as possible? What is that? Good evening to you, Roland, and very happy to be here. Face-to-face, uh, -face, it simply means this, that what we found with Truso, which simply means Truso, with the rise of social audio-only apps, we wanted to counter that structure by implementing a video social app that brings real people together for real conversations. We like to say that we are the virtual extension of the barbershop, the beauty shop, and the brainchild of the community. And those in the black community, we know that what types of conversations happen in those spaces. And those are very intimate conversations. But because of the pandemic, because of quarantine, because of social isolation, we've been isolated from those spaces that we once called home. And so we wanted to create a virtual extension of that by introducing the Truso app to the black community. All right. So this app, is it desktop based? Is it uh, for iPads and only phone? Uh, where can we find it? Phenomenal question. So this will be a mobile application available from Android and iOS from Jump. So straight out the blocks, we're rolling it out to both Android and iPhone users. Okay. Uh, and so uh, it's allowing video chatting. So as opposed to, and, and, and so up to how many people? So you take, if you look at fan base, if you look at uh, Clubhouse, which has audio, Twitter has spaces, uh, how many people can be chatting with one another video-wise? Here's the beautiful part, is that to answer that question in this way, Roland, is that what we found was that social or audio-only apps have stages that are often crowded. So therefore, the voices of those participating aren't allowed to truly participate. And so what we've done is we've capped our stage to four people. 
That means up to three hosts and one participant can come up on the stage at one time. The room itself can range anywhere between 50 to 100 people to maintain the intimacy of conversation and open dialogue. Uh, Kareem, uh, where's the app? Uh, I'm on uh, my iPhone right now, app, iPad as well. Has the app launched? No, we haven't uh, launched yet. We're still in uh, beta, so we're doing testing right now. Uh, so that's where we're at with it. Uh, pretty soon, we will be on uh, iOS and as far as Android as well. Questions from our panel? I'll start with you, Candice. So can you walk me through, let's say that once you launch it, I get on, I want to start a conversation with the community. I, what do I add, friends? Do I have to pay to be a part of this? And you mentioned a stage, so I imagine that it's kind of you're trying to simulate maybe a, a conference or a panel discussion that has a real audience. What's the setup for someone like me that comes on and wants to maybe present information to an audience? How do I build the audience and how does it work? Phenomenal um, question, Candice. Oh, yeah. you want to ask a question? You, go. you can go and I'll add on. Okay, perfect. Candice, thank you very much for that question. So essentially the structure of our app is just this. When you log on to Truso, you will immediately be directed to a dashboard. And that dashboard is what we refer to as, as a dashboard of communities. So where when you register for the app, you have the ability to choose from several different interests, if you will, or communities that you will more than likely be a part of, whether that's business gyms, faith talk, tech talk, health and wellness tips, small business and entrepreneurship, those types of communities and conversations are happening. Once you choose your community or the conversation that you wanna be a part of, you jump into that community. We refer to them as communities, not rooms. And so if you as a host want to participate in or present information, you would sign up as a Community Plus member. And everyone currently within our protected network of beta testers and early adopters will have an opportunity to experience the app as a Community Plus member for free for life. Because those are the folks that we want to engage with to learn how we can continue to improve that app for generations to come. Um, Candice, your question. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, no, that was... No, 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 my bad, my bad. Monique, your question. Because I'm sitting here looking at, because we just got Dr. We just got Dr. Hill back. So uh, we're just, uh, we had it off. So what's your question? Candice, do we all look alike? No, Dr. Hill, you know what? Dr. Hill, what's your question? Dr. Hill, what's your question? Since Monique uh, uh, want to run her mouth. Dr. Hill, what's your question? <laughs> Really intrigued. Um, I'm an Android user, so I always have issues. But with this app, I can just have conversations with my friends, or is it both video and uh, and audio? Can I take it with with me? Is it going to be reliable? Yes. Question. Yeah. So with with Truso, we're rolling out on iOS iPhone as well as Android. Uh, in the beginning, Clubhouse didn't do that. You only had to have uh, you, you had to have an iPhone to be able to get on there. But with Truso, you will be able to uh, get on your Android. Um, just as you would take your cell phone any and everywhere, you can be able to log on to Truso uh, and, and join a community or start a community yourself. So it will be. Uh, and you also have the option of audio and video. So if you don't want to be seen, you can go in and simply cut your camera off and then you use audio. And if you do want to, you know, be able to uh, be seen, then you can just cut your camera on and, and you have that. So you, you do have two options. So when are y'all rolling this out? So 
right now we're in, in beta beta phase number two. We'll roll it out to the general public on the Android, uh, on the Google Play Store as well as the app, Apple App Store in more than likely the middle part of February. We want to make sure that we tackle Black History Month and introduce this during a prominent time for us as a black community. All right, then. Uh, gentlemen, I appreciate it. Look forward to checking out the app when you launch it. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much, brother. We appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Monique, you don't get a question. All right, y'all. <laughs> Former Baltimore Mayor Catherine Pugh is out of prison. According to the Bureau of Prisons, Pugh left the Alabama, Alabama prison where she served a 36-month sentence about 12 months earlier than the expected release date. The former mayor of Baltimore was convicted for using fraudulent book sales to funnel illegal donations to her campaign and evade taxes in 2020. Uh, so uh, I'm quite sure she is uh, happy uh, to be back at home. Uh, all right, y'all. Uh, I am... We've been... Uh, so yesterday on the show, uh, if y'all saw, I, I, I had some lessons, if you will, uh, for uh, Dan Bongino, uh, who is a conservative radio talk show host. He's really an amateur. Uh, and, um, and so he was a little bit upset because uh, he, I took issue to when I said that he was leaving, he was leaving Twitter. Uh, excuse me, he was leaving YouTube, and I tweeted that him leaving YouTube is like a pimple on an elephant's ass. It's really, irre really irrelevant. So, um, so Dan was angry, calling it censorship and misinformation. So, y'all, here's what he did. So, so YouTube hit him with a strike. He then loaded the same lie on a, another channel of his. YouTube said, nah, player, that ain't how this works. So they have now banned Dan Bongino for life from wow. YouTube. Uh, now, he has something like 800,000 subscribers, and so, uh, now the conservatives have created this other video uh, program called Rumble uh, that's sort of closer to, that, that, like similar to YouTube. It's got like 30 million users already, and they've been trumpeting that, and you know, he talked about he's an investor in the company. But, but, but the thing here that I find to be hilarious, I find to be hilarious, uh, uh, Candace, all of these Republicans, they keep hollering, oh, censorship. Here's the deal. Take your ass to your own platform. I mean, this simple. If you if you so mad, angry, and upset about Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, just take your monkey ass on to another platform. And on top of that, Roland, there are rules that YouTube has, and so you have to follow them. If not, you get removed off of YouTube. So why he wouldn't follow that, I don't know. You can't just go out there and tell lies in order to get clicks. That's how a lot of people do it, but ask Cardi B, right? She took somebody to court because of the exact same thing that we're talking about, lies on YouTube, and she won her case. So a lot of people, I think, will find themselves in this position that they think they can do one thing on YouTube, but it's a whole different story. You cannot say what you want, but, which but is it, why he should go but, to his own platform. But here's, That's what it's there for. But here's the funny part, Monique. So uh, Jason Miller... Uh, the dude who worked for Trump, he started his own social platform called Getter, also the one who wouldn't pay his child support uh, when he had an affair with A.J. Delgado, who was on the campaign of Trump. She had a baby, but he won't pay the money. He's been hiding his money. Yeah, I threw that out there because his ass is trifling. So uh, he created a platform supposedly to allow free speech. They have a policy where you can't do whatever, so when they banned some white supremacists, he got jammed up. When Trump announced his little fake-ass platform that lasted about six days, they had pop... The bottom line is here. I don't care who you are. You are going to have 
policies that people have to abide by and they can't just say whatever. No, ultimately, um, well, you know, Roland, I don't, I don't know that that's true. What I am going to say is when things are working the way that they should, then that is what will happen. But the reason why this country is in the position that it's in right now is because truly just absent gates, absent any fettering whatsoever, um, Facebook and for a while Twitter, um, IG allowed lie after lie after lie, allowed yellow journalism, allowed manipulation of the public, not just about vaccines, but, you know, it. think about how long it took for Trump to be banned. So, yes, mm. when the stops are working, there, there are limits, uh, but we are finding out, we are finding out what the ranges of those and and we are dangerously precarious precariously close to a time when there are none well but 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 here's my dr hill here's here's my whole deal it's just it's very simple i do not allow people who follow me to use the n-word at me mm. and if you do i block your ass i block you you don't get to follow me on instagram twitter facebook or any other platform, you blocked. And I got, matter of fact, the funny thing is, somebody who I blocked called somebody who I know and said, man, can you get Roland to unblock me? And he was like, well, clearly you did something. And then my homeboy blocked his ass too. <laughs> now I ain't really upset, but I keep telling these people, you don't get to say whatever the hell you want to say. No. Look, Umar Johnson's people were all mad at me because when he came on TV One show, I shut him down saying, you not going to call somebody on my show a coon. I don't mm. allow coon, the N-word, Uncle Tom, all that sort of stuff like that because I believe we can have discourse without using... First of all, I'm not going to allow somebody to use somebody black to use the words of the white oppressors against black people on my platform. That ain't happening. So, I'm clear. You can tell a person they're a fool. You can say their argument is weak, but you're not going to sit here and use racial slurs and you're not coming back. And so, you can get mad, but those are the rules. We had this conversation in Tulsa, didn't we? Yep. The same thing. This, the, 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 you know, and, and see, we have to realize that we can't spell a different, put an A on the end of it and it means something. This is what they used before they murdered us, raped us, tortured us, and it's not a term of endearment. And so we need to understand that, you know, we are being bamboozled a trick if we think that we can use it. I'm glad you that 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 you shut them down. See, I am that sister. I will stop somebody on the street. Excuse me, what did you just, just say? And I give them an education because I'm going to assume that they just don't know that they're ignorant and they don't understand what it really means. But, you know, uh, keep shutting them down and, and maybe they'll begin to get the message. Right. It is not acceptable, period. Right. I ain't, I ain't going to say this person's name, prominent person, I wish them a happy birthday today. And they replied back, my N-word, thank you so much, my brother, I appreciate <laughs> you. And I'm like... Uh, you, you, you could... You didn't get the message. I'm, I'm about to say, you know, you could have you you left off... Hold on, let me just send this right now. You could 
have left. I can name everybody who has a birthday today. No, 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 no. I, I know, I know a bunch of people who, you know. So I had, to, I had to send out several birthday shout outs. Uh, so I'm like, Lord have mercy. But I tell folk, uh, I tell folk, I, I don't. But, but the thing is, it's shit you can't do. You just can't look. We all grew up. You walk into your mom and daddy house. But well, this, I remember my sister dating this dude, later married. He coming to the house. First, he came by with his boy. I don't know who the hell go visit for the first time somebody you dating with your boy. Hmm. I, I don't care if you roll with him. His ass should be in the car. But anyway, my man come in. And here's what happened. My daddy had gone to the grocery store. My brother was somewhere else. So I'm next oldest. And I was like, say, bro, you got to take your hat off. He said, mm. say what? You got to take your damn hat off. There are rules when you walk in folks' house. Like, I don't understand why these people. There are rules when you walk in somebody's house. There are rules. I, I was watching The Equalizer the other day, part two, uh, when, the, when the young kid came in Denzel's apartment, and he was like, what you cooking? And he reached over to lift the lid up, and Denzel slapped his hand. He's like, <laughs> there are rules. And so these people who are mad, upset, and yes, if you don't like it, again, leave. That's not, so uh, to me, this is not hard. But they're whining and complaining, you won't allow us to say or do whatever it is we want to do. Uh, Y'all mentioned the, uh, the, the, the Cardi B, Tasha K uh, deal. I, I do want to talk about that there because I am appreciative of that decision. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody out here might say, oh, my God, Roland, wait a minute. You're a journalist. Isn't that somehow going, is that negative? Because what if somebody decides to see you, sue you? Okay, here is the most basic, fundamental thing, Candace. Don't go on a, a YouTube line and making shit up. And she that's got, what she did. She got hit and with a 1.25 million judgment. Then, of course, damages. She got to pay $4 million. Now, I, I went on her, I ain't, first of all, let's be clear. I don't do celebrity people. I don't do gossip. Uh -huh. I can't stand, I can't, I, I can't stand no damn, damn housewives, reality shows. I don't watch no, I ain't never heard of this person. I ain't know uh -huh. who she was. So I go to her YouTube channel and she was talking about, oh, it was a video from a month ago, how this is a business. And I could do one video and make a and make six figures a month. Well, based upon that, that settlement, your ass gonna have to do about 45 or 50 videos because you got to pay $4 million to Cardi B. And I'm glad Cardi B sued because there are too many people who are on these social platforms making stuff up about celebrities and prominent folk and thinking they can just lie and get away with it. But you know, it's so important too because the precedent is not just for celebrities, it's for people who are non-celebrities too. And that's why this is so important. You can't say anything about anybody whether they're a celebrity or not, and get away with it if it's lying, if it's a lie, if it's defamatory, if it's slander. You, you, you just can't do it. I mean, Tasha Kay, the one who you were making reference to, she's the blogger who got sued, she had the videos up all during the trial, the videos that were in question. She only started taking them down today. Why? Because it kept on making money. But now Boom. that that judgment is in, she had to take it down. And, and, and here's what, uh, uh, Dr. Hill, her ass gonna be real damn careful when she go back on her channel saying some stuff 
Because trust me, every other celebrity is now sitting there going, say something. I wish your ass said something. <laughs> say something, say something, say something. You know, um, social media, for some of us, has made us lose our damn minds. It's like, mm. you you know, that's, that's common sense. You can't do what you want to do, you know, for someone to walk up to you and, 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 and say, uh, I want you to talk about this on your show because I want to get my point across on your show. Well, no, uh, get your own show. But mm -hmm. you better be careful about what you say and how you say it and what you say, you know, because everything is public again. So if you say something, it's recorded, and there's a proof. You know, um, Monique, I was on Instagram uh, last night, and somebody had said something about, yeah, you know, why, why is it that you don't talk about why you got fired from these networks, the rumors out here? And I was like, uh, you might want to go read that Cardi B story. Mm. I said, keep saying some shit. I said, try me. Keep playing and see what happens. And, and this mm -hmm. is the, the world we're living in. There are people, Monique, who think that they can just step out here, make stuff up, no factual basis, and then think it's, oh, well, the, 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 uh, the courts are, oh, from libel, defamation, oh, you know, you, you're a person, you know, who's in, in the public space. No, no, no. Step out here and lie and see what happened. I mean, this, this Cardi B decision, I think, is going to impact a whole bunch of people who are making lots of money, especially in the celebrity space, who make stuff up and lie about people. This is going to cause them to have to check their mouths because if they don't, they're going to be unloading dollar bills from their pocketbook. That's right. Right. And, and that's why she tweeted, you know, saying she needs to talk to... Um, to your Royal Highness, to, to Meghan Markle, because they, in, on, in different countries, uh, did the same thing. And it really is just a, oh, no, you won't, uh, because where Tasha Kay is concerned, uh, you know, she has usually um, gotten these witnesses um, who will testify and, and agree to interview and everyone will say that the information is questionable, but it's someone else who is telling her the information and then she's adding two and two together and making six. Uh, and that's not <laughs> journalism. And you can only try that but so many times before you run up against a real one, like a mm. Cardi B who's saying, no, I've got the time and the money to ensure that you do not do this with me. So yeah. lesson learned, and I am, for that reason, very glad to see it. Uh, yeah. Well, hell, as a lawyer, I'm sure you are. Um, so again, so and you don't have to be a journalist, right? You, when you post, as an individual, I'm glad to see. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, and, and again, all these people, all these people want to pull on the coat. Mm -mm. You can't be running your mouth with all that gossip and think you a journalist. Nah, that ain't flying. And the court smacked that down. They probably go appeal, but it's going to cost them more money. I say, Tosh K, go on right there and do about 40, 50 of them videos you say you can make six figures with because you're going to need to pay that money to Cardi B. And I hope Cardi B come at you like the people who, that one, one, woman who owed 50 cents of money. He ain't get, what, what, what she owe him like $36,000 and he dragging her every day. 
Girl, you better go mm -hmm. ahead and cut that check. You better break it, send him something via PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, or something, because he gonna keep dragging. Uh, Dr. Hill, I appreciate it. Candace, I appreciate it. Monique, I appreciate it, y'all. That's it for us uh, today's show. It's always fun. I told y'all, if y'all want to support us in what we do, uh, this is a real news show where we have real people. We don't deal with no gossip. We ain't dealing with stuff that can't be proven. We ain't messing around with that nonsense. This is all about us uh, speaking truth to power. Uh, of course, representing what we do. Yo, that's Ida B. Wells Barnett over there. And what does she say? The way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. And so that's what that... That's what that says right there. And then, of course, Mr. B behind me. We got hair, we got James Baldwin over here uh, as well. And so y'all know how we operate uh, here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. We want y'all to support us what we do. We're great to be, of course, in our uh, in our uh, new uh, new uh, uh, studio. You know, we've got printed right here, the First Amendment on that wall as well. But you just can't be out of here acting a fool, uh, making stuff up. And so Please support us in what we do. Uh, download our Black Star Network app. It's available on all platforms, Apple TV, Android TV, Apple phone, Android phone, Roku, Samsung, Xbox, uh, Amazon Fire, uh, all of those different uh, platforms. And of course, you can also support us, y'all, uh, via uh, the various platforms. Uh, Cash App is Dallas and RM Unfiltered. PayPal is RM Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, rolling at rollingatsmartin.com, rolling at rollingatmartinunfiltered.com. You know, we're also taking phone calls. Uh, we're going to be doing that uh, as well. And so if you want to call in, got to be part of the fan club. If we don't have your email, send us an email. We'll put it on the list. Uh, we're going to be doing calls more than once a week. We normally do them on Friday. We're going to be doing calls uh, a lot more uh, in the show. And so we look forward to that. And so please, uh, we want y'all to do that as well. And so support us in what we do. Look, uh, y'all know uh, how we operate, what we represent, what we speak to. And it's about really being honest and truthful uh, and having a voice that you're not going to get elsewhere. And so that's why we do what we do. So thanks a bunch. I'll see y'all tomorrow. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs>